welcome to the Noble Mother Podcast. This is a podcast for people who want to heal, learn, and grow from powerful stories and experiences shared by sovereign mothers and women. Mothers and women who question when their sovereignty is in danger. Mothers and women who have faced deep grief and loss. Mothers and women who have walked the coals inside themselves to unprogram what they thought and who they could trust to really come home to themselves and their power. These mothers and women fiercely protect their spiritual energy and their family's health and well-being. On the Noble Mother podcast, we will share stories of birth, life, magic, and death. I hope you find healing in the wisdom shared. I'm your host, Victoria Nicholas, and these are the Noble Mothers and Noble Women and their stories. Hello, beautiful goddesses and beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Noble Mother podcast. I'm so excited today to be just in the realm with Lisa Brenner. She's just such a healer and a nourisher and a wise, wise mother here on this earth plane. So I'm going to introduce you to Lisa. She's been providing Ayurvedic bodywork to her community for close to 10 years. She's practiced yoga since her late teens and felt a calling to begin sharing her love of the practice almost five and a half years ago. She's currently training as a yoga therapist with a specialization in perinatal. She's also a Reiki master and a full spectrum doula. Lisa is a mother of three beautiful children who continually inspire her to step fully into who she is and to powerfully keep moving forward, to shine her light and be a guide and mentor for other mothers. Having the tools that yoga and Ayurveda provide, such a beautiful word, I always stumble on it, has made all the difference in each of Lisa's pregnancies and postpartum recoveries and has led her to begin bringing this level of care to new mothers. She provides nurturing touch through warm oil massage, breastfeeding guidance and support, newborn care assistance, a listening ear, and a calming, reassuring, and peaceful presence. She believes childbirth is a rite of passage and a sacred time that deserves to be honored and respected. Her greatest wish is for all women to be fully supported so that they may receive the rest, nourishment, love, and care that they need to fully heal, recover, and bond with their babies. This level of care is fundamental in shaping who they are and will become, how they are able to care for themselves and their families, and ultimately their greater communities. All of her offerings come from her heart to share her love and her grounded energy with other women to give them the space they need to truly rest and settle their nervous systems. Welcome, Lisa. What a gift you are. Thank you, Victoria. So grateful to have you here. You have such rich experiences through your lifetime, 
three. We're going to talk a lot today about so many intertwining aspects, motherhood, Ayurvedic care, attachment parenting, parenting at all stages and ages, and just anything else that comes down through us. So I'd love for you to start. I think the the story of becoming pregnant with your daughter, Kaya, is really powerful. And if you maybe want to work, move us through that and what opened up the portals for you into this healer that you are in the community and for mothers. Mm. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I'll start as we were <laughs> chatting earlier about before I conceived Kaya, which was a few years before my now ex-husband and I uh, had only been together a short while and we took off and went out to Vancouver. So we were <laughs> living out in Vancouver for the winter. And a few months after we arrived there, or not even, it was like two months maybe, we discovered that we were pregnant. And you know, it was totally crazy, but we were excited. And I remember like I was I was starting to feel <laughs> pretty sick. I was very sick with all of my pregnancies, but one day I walked into the bathroom and I looked over and caught sight of myself in the mirror. Um, and so at the time I had very short hair and was newly pregnant. So definitely no bump showing yet. But I happened to walk in the bathroom and I looked over in the mirror and the image that was reflected back to me, I had very long hair and a very big belly. And it was just a, a bit of a, a flash and I was just like, oh, like that was really interesting. Um, I guess, you know, I'm just kind of seeing, you know, what's to come, right? <laughs> Didn't really think anything else of it when about my day and got very sick. We ended up deciding that we needed to come back to Ontario to be with our families just to have that support because I was not doing well. And when I had my first ultrasound scheduled for at the... Uh, 12 week mark, I discovered that there was no heartbeat. So, so yeah, I had lost that baby. And so that was a very tough, traumatic time for us. It took a really long time to heal from that. Still remember, you know, that baby was due in like September. So also when that date then came around, that was really, really challenging. We were both, both my ex and I were, were grieving a lot. So then you know, we had kind of decided that we didn't think that children were for us and we didn't plan on having children growing up. That's not something I ever had really aspired to. I didn't think that I wanted to be a mother. It's just never, it was just never in my realm. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even imagine that. Just so naturally. I, I know it's, it's just, it's been, yeah, wow. It, it has been. So it's, it's been, it's been a journey for sure. And so, when you mean you were very sick, like you're talking nausea or was oh, there yeah. more? Yeah. With that, at that time, it was just very nauseous and, and uh, yeah, I couldn't keep anything down. And it was just, you know, severe morning sickness, like, yeah, not morning sickness, but all day sickness. All day. <laughs> I need to rush that. Yes. Yeah. So, and yeah. You, and you had that baby, that pregnancy loss. Did mm -hmm. they, did the baby release itself or? So at that time, I wasn't. So I was, how old was I then? I was like 27, I think. Was, I wasn't really sure. I just didn't have the support around me and didn't really have a lot of a lot of knowledge or awareness around those things. I did go in and have a, D, a DNC done. 
yeah, I just didn't know anything at that time or how long things would take. And, you know, just kind of wanted that process over so that I could just kind of move through it. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but I, you know, I will say like I, when we were still out in Vancouver, I even knew back then that I wanted to have a home birth. I have always been a little bit more, more in tune with nature and elemental things. You know, I've, I've, delved into all all those kinds of realms since I was a teenager so we did actually go there was like a some kind of clinic that was held I think it was with midwives but they were holding an information night about water birth so when we were in Vancouver we went to this session and even at that session there was another woman that with her there with her partner who were living up in the mountains and they were planning to like have a free birth in the mountains by themselves and were just there to get some more like information so you know, even at that time, I was like, wow, like I was like, I was like 18 years ago or something. It was a long time ago. So, you know, I feel like little bits of things have always kind of been presenting themselves to me. Yeah. So anyways, we decided we weren't going to have children. My husband was going to have a vasectomy. He actually went and had the appointment and had everything booked. And then just before the procedure was to happen like you know like a week before he decided he's he's kind of having this little bit of a moment of panic like oh my gosh like is this like actually what I want to do you know when I get old like I'm not gonna have any family around me is that what I really want my life so I was like if you're not sure like let's just you know hold off it's okay but then it was about three and a half years after that that I found out I was pregnant with my daughter so it was a total surprise we were really nervous because of the previous loss but decided to tell everybody that it was happening. And I was still working in Algonquin Park at that time. And my husband was in school. <laughs> so he wasn't too far away, but we were definitely separated and only saw each other occasionally. So it was challenging. And I once again got very sick and things got very severe pretty quickly. And I wasn't able to work and I didn't really know what was going on. I was really dizzy, like almost kind of blacking out and was having all kinds of really weird neurological symptoms. I actually had to go to the hospital in Huntsville at one point to get some help. And that's even I had a pregnancy test done then and they didn't, they, they didn't show up yet. But as time went on, things got worse. So I actually had to quit my job at the park and I went and stayed with my parents and things just kept getting worse and worse. I was having all kinds of weird symptoms show up. So we went to my doctor and she was really concerned and she sent me over to the hospital that night to see another doctor that she knew that thought would be able to direct me <laughs> and to figure out what was going on. And as soon as I went and saw him, he's like, you need to go see a neurologist. So just my, some of the symptoms I was having, my, my left eye wasn't tracking and I was very dizzy all the time. Like I couldn't walk in a straight line down the hallway. I was like literally bumping off the walls as if I was really drunk. I was starting to lose my speech my tongue felt very big and heavy in my mouth and I couldn't always get my words out properly so there, there was a whole number of things that were starting to happen so I ended up having to see a neurologist and have an MRI done and was told at that time that I had MS so I was you know not quite through the first trimester of my pregnancy 
Uh, so that was very traumatic news to hear also, you know, I'm like, okay, like here I am, I'm pregnant, like <laughs> my husband and I are having this baby, it's supposed to be a really exciting time in our lives. So there was just all this fear coming in about what my life was actually going to be and look like and what was going to happen to me. So that was a lot to work through. Um, once the first trimester was over, everything did go away, though. I was feeling totally fine the rest of the pregnancy. I actually felt really great. Had a successful home birth with my midwives. It was, you know, beautiful. She was fine. There was no issues. And then I had to go back and see the neurologist again after she was born. And they did actually find lesions on my brain during the MRI. So during a subsequent follow-up. There was no act. There's no lesions that were there were not active, and there was no new ones. So they then told me, "Well, we can't actually officially diagnose you with MS right now." So they're like, "You're basically released. If anything else does come up, then you know, get back in touch with us." But for now, we're releasing you. So thankfully, I have been fine since then. Although when she was about six weeks old, I did start getting pretty severe migraines. So I am still dealing with those. And it's interesting that I never really made the connection before that there might have been something related within all of that. But um, that's been quite a journey. So cause I'm now, you know, almost 15 years <laughs> into having these migraines now. <sighs> but yeah, so we were also just chatting. My daughter had some health issues come up last year too. So I really have wondered if there's a direct connection to to all of that, how I was doing during the pregnancy and all the things that I was enduring and, you know, the effect that that possibly had on her in utero. And her nervous system. Totally. Yeah. 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 So. And for you as well, like, do you feel like the, the pregnancy maybe triggered something unknown inside of yourself to kind of create? <clears throat> yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, it was really interesting because the, the doctors had told me that most cases, people that, you know, people that already have, have been diagnosed with MS, when they get pregnant, they usually go into remission and usually mm -hmm. feel fabulous during their pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And then their symptoms come back again after they give birth. So I was kind of a inverse. Right. That. Yeah. That's what's, yeah, sort of feels like something had to be worked out or something. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But that is a lot to process in that time. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully, I did feel so great for the rest of the pregnancy that that at least helped soothe a lot of those fears and those worries. And, yeah. You know, and birth was great. And then she was fine when she was born. So we just kind of moved on, right? And moved forward. Yeah. And, and you've been pregnant other times since then so yes yeah yeah with my other two pregnancies with my son I again was horribly sick the whole first trimester and then again as soon as the first trimester was over I felt completely fine the rest of the pregnancy was totally fine and with my third that all happened again and you know, in my head, I'm like, I just have to get through this first trimester. I just have to get through it. I just got to put my head down. I just got to do the best that I can here. You know, 13 weeks, I'm going to be in the clear again. But that was not the case the third time around. As I hit my 13th week, I realized I was actually starting to feel worse. <laughs> and 
my life was always very, also very complicated. At that yeah, this point. was with a new partner, right? So this, this was now with a new partner mm-hmm. who was not living in the same city. Yeah. Which was so, Kaya as well. You guys run in the same city when you were pregnant with her. You were she, He was in school, right? And you were up in a farm. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it was yeah. very similar. Yeah, there was definitely separation there. Again. Yeah. At this time, you know, pregnant, very sick. My partner's in a different city. I had my older two children every other week. So when I was with them, I was alone and I had no help and trying to get them to and from school and, you know, dinners and shopping and everything else, just being horribly sick. It was really, really challenging. And then I was not getting any better. And I was lying in bed. I, my daughter, I'm not sure where she was. She wasn't home. Just my my son was. And he was lying down in bed with me. And I just looked out and I was like, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I feel awful. So I paged the midwife and was just like, I I need medication. I can't do this anymore. Which is also really hard for me. I'm so like anti-pharmaceutical. <laughs> so it was really really hard but I just realized like I I need something I can't I can't function and I can't live this way and I can't endure the entire rest of the pregnancy like this it's not gonna be good for me for my children so the midwife was actually able to call into a 24-hour pharmacy so I could go pick it up right away thank goodness but again I had to like throw my son in the car he was he was like seven at the time I guess Mm -hmm. six and a half and I was like, so sick. <laughs> so I had to throw him in the car. We had to drive across town to the pharmacy. And I was like trying so hard to hold it in. And then we're like waiting in the pharmacy for the prescription to be filled. It was just like all I could do. As soon as we got back into the car, I just had to like roll my window down. Like, I'm pretty sure I had to stop and throw up a couple of times on the way back home. And then, you know, within 24 hours of being able to collect it, I was totally back to normal. I did have to stay on it the rest of the pregnancy. I tried to come off again once or twice and again like within a few hours the nausea and everything just came right back so I was like okay I just have to stay on this till the end that's what I had to do such a a nausea is such a mind fuck like crazy it 100% is I wasn't nauseous with Noble but this pregnancy the first bit I was nauseous and you just are like you said, like, you're like, oh my God, oh my God, how am I functioning? But I, what happened for me was I listened, I was on a seminar and they were talking about nausea in birth women, you know, that just vomit and vomit and also the nausea in during pregnancy and in that first term. And they talked about how it's related to your emotions. And I had a lot of things I wasn't saying to Ryan, like that were bubbling up inside of me. And I made a list. I was like, all right, well, Okay, you know, because I am a believer in what my mental state and my emotional well-being is, you know, in reference to how my body's feeling and what's happening. And so I made a lesson. I just had to spew it out. And then once I spewed it out, the next, I haven't been nauseous since. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was <laughs> so interesting to experience that. Hmm. I know. But, I mean, everyone has, there's so many varying complexities to pregnancy and these souls absolutely. and also the partners that we're with and what energetic uh, absolutely they're bringing and like there's just that we're sort of piecing together and moving through while also mothering other children generally for sure mm-hmm. yeah. yeah 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 the nausea is 
is just no, it's, it's really, really a mind fuck. Absolutely. And, you know, it was definitely past just feeling nauseous for me. I was filling up all right. the time, right? Oh, though, so hard to keep anything down. And if that then your go-to is your nourishment and your, you know, through your prenatal and pregnancy, which a lot of us, it right. is, you know, like that's really, really hard. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly depleting. Yeah, right? um, absolutely. You're trying to grow this new life <laughs> that also needs all that sustenance. Yeah. But then also yourself and needing to have the energy to grow that baby, to do the things you need to do during the day, you know, possibly caring for other children also. It's it's a lot. Yeah. Wow. How was your emotional state when you were pregnant with your third? <laughs> Not great. Mm-hmm. Not great at all. So just prior to conceiving him, my husband and I split up and it was very, very out of my control. I feel like the universe totally stepped in with everything that happened because everything just kept saying, I felt like, I felt like I was on a train moving in this direction and then a train came the other direction and I just like hopped onto it and like, <laughs> it's like things that were like on parallel tracks, but just, you know, slightly different. And it just, just, just kept moving. Um, Cause my husband and I split up and then I met someone else like three weeks later and three months later, I found out that I was pregnant. So it was all incredibly fast. And like I said, my partner was then living in a different city also. So I was back and forth between here and Toronto the whole pregnancy. So it was like, it was very, there was a lot of highs and a lot of lows. I felt like I was all over the place. Mm-hmm. I was here alone, sick, taking care of two children. And then I'd be in Toronto and have my partner to like look after me for a week and I could just relax and do nothing. So it's like I was, you know, here, super stressed out, trying to manage everything and just like barely holding it together. And then would be able to go and have like a full week of just like restoration, which I'm like at least grateful that I had that. But constantly being back and forth and flux like that was so challenging. Yeah, that is really difficult in the nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. Just on the, the, the being of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And And you're also very conscious parent as well. I feel like you, even before your time, you were just very connected inward to the being an attached parent and a very conscious parent with the choices you've made for your children. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so again, you can't you know. feel isolating and also is a lot. I think people don't talk about the amount of work it takes to show up for your children in that capacity because you're doing your own work as well as really trying to meet the needs of theirs instead of having them fit into this box. I've heard sure. a lot of parenting models are designed for now. Oh yeah, absolutely. I am very grateful that when I was pregnant with Kaya, so it was right at the, basically the very end of the first trimester that we moved to Kitchener. And so my, my ex grew up here. So we decided to come back here because he had connections for work and, you know, whatever else. So we came here 
And we had lived here once before uh, when we first got together. And I really couldn't stand this city. <laughs> I, but again, like I just didn't, I didn't know anybody and I didn't make any connections with anybody. So it was really difficult. So I was glad when we left. So I was a little nervous to come back. But when we did, the apartment we moved into, there was another couple that lived right above us that were also pregnant. And she was due about seven weeks before I was. And she was very connected in this community. So I'm so grateful that she was there. We basically hung out every day throughout our entire pregnancies. She introduced me to some other really beautiful women in this community that were also very conscious, connected women and mothers. So it was beautiful to be able to just fall into that and just be like, here, here's all these beautiful. You're looked after. It was your sisterhood. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So isn't that how it used to be though, right? In community. Right. Right. That's how we used to be pregnant and mother and move through those stages together. Absolutely. And our children and breastfeed and nourish our families. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so grateful I did have that for both of my younger children. And, you know, our kids all kind of grew up together until we kind of got to a certain point. So the kids were starting to get a little bit older and then people were getting a little bit busier in their lives. I also really feel that when my husband and I split, there was, you know, kind of a divide there because we were both very invested in the community. So I feel like that kind of shook things up a little bit. And then with my partner then being in Toronto, I was back and forth so much and not really here anymore so there was a lot of a lot of disconnect and you know my kids like my older two are are 14 and 11 and my youngest is just four right so there was a, a big gap there also so I didn't know anybody that was having babies all my friends' kids were getting older like my older two are, right? Right, yeah. And then with my partner being in a different city, so I was just... Here you are, back to square one again. Absolutely, absolutely. And for the first year and a half of my son's life, my his father lived over an hour away. So we were still back and forth that whole time. So... Oh. I just, you know, when I was here, I was in the thick of monitoring. And again, like I had nobody, I had, I had no, I had nobody, I had no help here. So again, I'm like caring for an infant and, you know, with attachment parenting, everything that goes along with that, how exhausting that is in the early days Mm -hmm. as well, trying to get up and get my older two kids to school. And again, doing the shopping, trying to like somewhat keep my house clean, trying to cook meals. It It was just absolutely exhausting. Do you feel like it it plays into your health now and into your um, well-being? Yes. I, I yeah, I absolutely do. I feel now that my son's, you know, four and a half, that I'm starting to regain some of my strength and I'm finding ways to get back into my practices that do support me. But up to this point, it's been a huge challenge. Like there's just been everything's been in flux and it's been really stressful. Yeah, that's really taken its toll, for sure. What are some of your practices that you like to incorporate for yourself? And I guess what then drew you to then care for others because you're so invested in the wellness of mothers in your community while you're still trying to nourish and balance yourself. Right. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so I will say caring for 
others in the community is just something that I'm slowly trying to integrate. Mm -hmm. I greatly understand the importance of it. And especially after everything that I've been through and know how how tough it is, how isolating it is, how exhausting it is. I just, I just don't want other women to feel that way. Mm. And we all need to come together to care for each other. So I'm just slowly trying to integrate that. I also know that I have limited energy for myself, not only because of my situation, but just also my own constitution. So mm-hmm. really trying to honor my own energy levels to not deplete myself any further. Just in the process now of really trying to regroup and rebuild myself. And also knowing that, you know, I also can't be the only one to care for everyone, right? So I really think a big piece of this work is education and really trying to bring back that sense of community that we've lost. And I do understand how challenging that is for us too. We have been so isolated in our singular family homes Mm -hmm. and needing to do everything for ourselves, our our families, our households, trying to work to maintain all of this. And especially now the economy is just so, everything is just so intense right now. (laughs) And I know everybody is struggling. So it's like when you're on such a depleted level and struggling in your day-to-day existence it's really hard to think about helping and caring for other people also yeah and it's almost like they've designed it that way doesn't it feel that way you know it really does in that state and it takes a lot of consciousness to almost rise above that a little bit and say this has been fucking designed this way we should be pissed and how do we create this to be different and absolutely yeah. Because like we are incredible species as humans, you know, and like this is not this. Th- how did we let this design unfold? Yeah, it's it's very complicated. I mean, mm. <laughs> there's, there's 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 so many there. there's so many elements. Yeah, so, so many, many realms. Yeah, yeah. But but here we are. But here right? we are so, talking, at least acknowledging it. Exactly. I think acknowledging yeah. it is, is a piece and also huge <clears throat> then making the choice for each of your individual families on how you might want to rearrange things. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. To start meeting particular needs that you really have in this time. Right. Yeah. <sighs> you know, I also really just see, cause like, you know, I always say back in the day, (laughs) at at some point in our history, we were so much more connected within our communities. And, you know, someone had a baby, you know, everybody would come to take care of the household and and the meals and all of that. So the mother and the other children and the other children, right? And the same goes like, you know, if somebody fell sick, like people would then like come to like help care for that person and and again their household and anything else that's going on in their lives so that they could rest and heal so 
I do see this more like bigger and more beyond just within the realm of motherhood. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's really bringing in integrated care within our communities. That's like knowing your neighbors and caring for your neighbors. Like, mm-hmm. oh, somebody had a baby or somebody's sick, you know, it's like dropping a meal off or just like checking in on somebody, you know. People are so self-absorbed. Yes. <laughs> it is a very, and not in a conscious way. You know, I don't think people no. are doing it consciously to be malicious, but it just does not come naturally to people because they they haven't had it mirrored for them and or understand, right. you know what that is, you know, or what that, what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. There's just been so much dysfunction within our own family units and then extended family. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was, I always talk about this with my husband. We talk about how involved our grandparents were when we were children and our parents are not at all. They're like in another realm. It's like they forgot how much support they had from their parents. And they're like, oh, well, our children will figure it out. And it's very interesting that generation in there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was the same for you too. I mean, yeah, I remember even mentioning to my mom once, like, yeah, like you would have been in a lot of trouble without grandma and grandpa's help. And she's like, oh, definitely. <laughs> But there was, there's no acknowledgement, you know, of like, uh, oh, right. It's, it's, right. it's very, very interesting. Yeah. That, that's, it's funny. I, I, I think we were, we were pretty close to like my mom's parents, but they lived in a different city. So it's not like she had a lot of help from them. Right. And like my, my mom was the youngest of sevens. So like her parents were starting to get older by that point too. Right. But I do remember like every Sunday night we'd go to Brantford to have like the family dinner at my grandmother's house. Right. Like wow. my mom always said too, that like, it was also an expectation. Like we right. had to be there for Sunday dinner. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's there a, lot, a lot of a lot of conditioning in, in yeah. that realm as well. Yeah. No, for sure. And I remember after I did have my first, after Kaya was born, my so my in-laws live in the same city. My mother-in-law is extremely overbearing. <laughs> and you know, like at that point too, like we just wanted to have our space. But also, you know, it's like I was really trying to take especially those early days this was my first baby it's like all I wanted to do was lie in bed and just hold her and be with her right but my mother-in-law would like show up at my door every day like my husband was back to work so it's like she'd come over and be like fussing and trying to do all these things and it was just like she just has a very high level of like dress circulating around her all the time Uh so she just emanates that to everyone it's like in some ways I was grateful for her help in other ways I was just like okay you don't need to come like all the time because this is just a bit too much for me Uh but I also remember her saying you know like constantly all the time she's like well I had three kids and I did everything by myself and like blah 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 like you know you should be up and like doing these things and wow you know force that model yeah isn't it just so so much wounding? Yes. So much wounding along the lines. It's just. Absolutely. Ooh, yeah. Wow. So much. So much. What are the principles and sort of the values in the Ayurvedic sort of culture? And Ooh. where does that differ from where we are? 
And what drew you to that? So within the culture, and I know like even within India, like a lot of this has shifted and it's not so prevalent as it once was. Mm -hmm. Veda is like their natural system of, of, of medicine and care. And, you know, I know like as populations grew and cities grew and Western influence and all that kind of came in. In a lot of ways, Ayurveda was seen as more like folk medicine. Like that's kind of what the country people do. Like if we're in the city, we use Western medicine. And so the Western influences started to infiltrate then. Oh, Oh, yes. Yeah. A long time ago. Yeah, for sure. Um, So it's just really interesting that I find myself then educating, like I have a lot of Indian clients and it's like they understand on some level the care and these practices, but like maybe, maybe they're like grandparents or great grandparents, you know, like they remember some things like, oh yeah, I remember like, you know, my grandmother oiling my hair when I was like a little girl or whatever, but it's not something that they've like fully integrated or, or do. So it's just really interesting, right? Things kind of fall out, but yeah. But it's interesting because I did find working in doula care though, that the majority of other cultures were the ones to invest in my services, not, yeah. not white families, quote unquote. It was other cultures that did have some type of a value system around that support and what that looked right. like. Right. And bringing in that nourishing piece. Yeah. Within Ayurveda, it's said that how a mother is cared for during the first 42 days postpartum will affect the next 42 years of her life. I would believe it. Right. So... <clears throat> It's that nourishing care. It's, it's, it's the rest. <laughs> um, staying in bed as much as you possibly can and not doing anything but healing and caring and bonding for your baby. So having that support built in that there's nourishing, warm, healing foods for you, that your body is oiled and kept warm on a daily basis. You know, things are just more quiet and still. And those things are just not valued in this society. You know, we're pushed so hard through the narrative to get back up on our feet, to lose the baby weight, to, you know, like, oh, it's, it's, it's been two weeks. You should be, you know, up cooking meals for your family and <sighs> running errands and, you know. <laughs> like hanging out with your friends again like just doing all these things you just need to slow down you really really need to slow down within Ayurveda there's what's known as the three doshas they're like our energetic constitution and so during you know especially during the end of childbirth like leading into birth and postpartum our vata energy is very high vata is all wind and space so mm. all that that movement the coldness the dryness brings higher levels of like stress and anxiety and you know nervousness but it's so important to ground and nourish and bring in that warmth and just take take care so that's really what i'm trying to educate people on and to do with my work i just i see the importance of it and i see the benefit of it 
there was one family that I worked with. They just brought me in for massage. So it was an Indian family and they had both sides of their family coming from India. Um, you know, the woman's mother-in-law was there when I was at the house and then her family was coming also. So it's just so people, beautiful, right? Because it's so people beautiful. People making all the meals. Yes. And caring for the house and the husband and what yeah. the, those emotional needs are. Absolutely. We, yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing too, so it's like I've worked with a few families and the in-laws or parents all came over from India to be there in the house with them. <laughs> and they were all grateful for it. For it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I see it is. And. And it's like, because I see here too, again, just because we've been so conditioned to do everything by ourselves and all seem to have like issues within our family units. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. you know. Inviting them into that space feels like. You don't want to do it, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, it's like, well, it's like they fear that like they're interfering and pushing their beliefs and wants on you, which in a lot of ways does happen. I think the older generations also need to like take a little bit of a step back and be like, I'm here to help. Like, this is an important time. Like, what can I do for you? And take themselves out of the equation that I, you know, I have seen that a lot also. But so it's so beautiful to see that these families are so grateful to have their parents and their in-laws there to just cook the meals and care for them. And like, they're like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do when my family leaves. I know. What, what, in, what entails the massage? I, well, I mean, I know because I invested in that in my postpartum and it was beautiful. But yeah, what, <clears throat> what is that so, like? Yeah. So when I do go, I just set up on the mother's bed. I have warm oil with me. And I just give her a nice, slow, nurturing, full body, warm oil massage and just take that time. It's gentle. You know, we're just really looking to get that oil onto the skin to work that. Is it sesame know, the oil or olive oil? What it depends what you feel. So it depends. So I always check first. I was, I was always told during my training that there's so many people, especially in the West, that have sensitivities to sesame. So I'm always very cautious about that. I don't use sesame in my clinic because of that, but sesame is superior. Mm. Olive oil, like olive oil is is second best for sure. And that is what I use at my clinic. But okay. sesame oil, just with, with the properties of that particular oil, when it's warmed and massaged in, is said to penetrate all seven layers. So mm. it actually gets right down into the bone. So it really helps mm. to nourish us fully from the inside out. How do you so, warm the oil? Can you do it just on a pot on your stove or you have a yeah, pot? Yeah. Uh, so I, to keep it easy, <laughs> I just have a, a big cup. I've actually just been using a measuring cup lately. Yeah. And I have a little bottle that's a little squirt bottle that I use with the oil. So I just put boring, boiling, boiling water, water into the cup yeah. and then I put my bottle of oil in that. It actually heats up really quickly. Oh, okay. And it's like, you don't need it to be hot, hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want it nice and warm. Warm. Um, the warm oil feels so grounding and nurturing. Like, as soon as you pour that oil on, like, people just always take a big sigh. And it's like, you just, this, like, release of energy immediately. And then as I keep working and, you know, getting into all areas of the body and really working that through. You can just like visibly see the relaxation 
it's just so kind grounding for the nervous system. That's what we need. Yeah, we're such an open portal. Yes. After birth. Yeah. Everything needs to sort of settle in to this new rhythm now that this child is here. Yeah. So beautiful. And it's something that it's my favorite thing to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Honestly, I just see how much it's benefiting these women Mm -hmm. and how appreciative they are. It's wonderful that they're able to just take that hour for themselves, have someone else care for the baby. They can just rest for that hour and relax and take in that love and that nourishment. Mm -hmm. That's the thing too. The Sanskrit word for oiling the body is called sneha. And sneha translates both as oiling, but also love. Mm. So by oiling the body, you're literally massaging love into your tissues. Mm. So I really, I can really see that. It's amazing to bear witness to that. Mm. And there's times that the women talk a lot, especially, you know, the first couple of times that I'm there. But it's beautiful, right? We they talk to me about their first, their experiences. We talk about any issues they're having with breastfeeding, or they ask me questions about their baby. You know, they just are able to have that space to process and to release what they need to release so that they can also drop deeper into that healing. When sometimes I go and they're able to just fully release and let go and almost fall asleep and just you know, enjoy the session. So it's uh, a really beautiful process. Mm -hmm. You just have so much wisdom in motherhood. You know, you've experienced a lot of stages in your motherhood journey. Yes. And you're very just tuned in to resources and different suggestions. You know, I, I know personally, I really... I really take stock in the wisdom that you have. I, I've come to you with a few scenarios and just the suggestions that you've given back have just changed the whole energy shift in our family. So I'm so grateful. One of, one of your beautiful tips, Ryan works from home. And I said, oh my goodness, my toddler just keeps wanting to go into his office. And I don't know if we'll have to install a door or, and you said, you know, why don't you explain to him what's happening and also get a little book and you can write notes to him. So that was life-changing. Either I texted him or wrote him a note in the notebook and the notebooks kind of decreased, you know, over time Mm -hmm. because now he just knows not to go in. Right. So it was setting that very clear boundary and offering a different solution. So that's Mm. just one of your gifts for sure. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so glad that that was helpful and that that worked. Yeah. Yeah. You've been mothering. Yeah. You're so right now you're in the throes of teenage land. Yes. As well as coming kind of out of toddlerhood, not completely, but. Getting there. I Mm. it's really interesting. He's, I said he's four and a half and 
is in a couple of different little school programs two days a week right now. So I'm also just seeing an incredible amount of growth and change in him. And, you know, feels like my last little baby is growing up now too. <laughs> yeah. So how are you kind of taking time for you now? As well as stepping out into the community, like I know you are. How are you? Yeah. How are you now, you know, for Lisa moving into, you know, the wise years that you have under your belt in mothering? Mm-hmm. Sort of saying, okay, I need to now nourish me. Right. Yeah. That's, it's always a challenging thing. I was talking about this recently. Um, I remember when my second started school. Because I, I was just home with them. I didn't work in the community at all until my second started school. And all of a sudden, both kids were gone all day. And you're just in this space of like, I don't even, I don't even know what, what to do right now. So many times, like you just kind of sit there and stare at the wall or, you know, it's just like, it's good. Like I just kind of needed that time and that space to come back down but they're just so in the thick of mothering it's hard to even know what it is that you need to do for yourself or what you're needing in that moment to take some time to settle back into that um so you know kind of coming back around to that again now with my youngest but also having so many other things going on I have been working for a while and of course you know he started school in September he's in Wednesdays and Fridays so of course, I'm like, okay, well, I can take extra clients on Fridays now. And I'm teaching a class on Wednesday mornings. And it was interesting because in September, I all of a sudden had, I had three different families hire me for postpartum massage. So I was also filling in all of that extra time going to visit these families, right? So I was so busy. And then they were all done and that just kind of dropped off. So I was like, Okay, I remember the first Wednesday after I was finished my class, I'm like, oh, I now have like almost four hours before I have to go pick my son up. Like, what am I going to do? So I have now been utilizing more of that time for myself. As again, with my business, like there's, oh, I have like an endless to-do list of things that I need to do back end. But I'm trying to be mindful with that and take that time for myself because it's important and it's something that I really need. So I have been spending more time in the woods, which has been really lovely. It's something that I have incredibly missed, being able to just go by myself and just find a spot and just sit in the woods. Uh, that's always been my comfort place. Uh, I, I worked in Algonquin Park for seven years too, so you know, Beautiful. being able to just sit in the woods daily mm-hmm. <laughs> is something that I, my soul has deeply been missing. So it's been really lovely to just find some, I just try to find a different trail each time and hopefully there's some water there too. And I just go and sit and just breathe. So that's been, that's been really great. And then also trying to get back into my practices too, like I was saying earlier. So, you know, trying to do a bit more awesome practice for myself to start building that strength back in my body, taking more time to sit in stillness with breath work. Breath work for me is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. It's one thing that I've always relied on. And 
you know, it's just a very simple, easy thing to do that literally takes 30 seconds to a minute to drastically alter your energy and how you're sleeping. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Coming back to the breath. Yeah. That's key. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So much wisdom, Lisa. How how can our listeners find you? I I mean, virtually I'm not sure if you put together any postpartum programs for families, but just in general, where can they find mm-hmm. you and access your services? Yeah. So I am everywhere online as Wise Roots Therapies. So most active on Instagram. I do have a Facebook page, but less active there. Just find the engagement there is <laughs> next to nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a website and for the most part, I am in person right now, but I do have a lot of ideas percolating to develop more online programming to connect with people. And yeah, it's something that's really important. So lots of things in the works, but again, just trying to slowly put that all in place while honoring all my other needs, wants, obligations. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The triangle. No, wise roots therapies. Yes. Beautiful. Mm. Thank you so much, Lisa, for your time today and your wisdom. You have journeyed and pilgrimaged quite a bit (laughs) in your years, but I know as you move out of that motherhood stage and into your crown stage, whatever community you're living in, they're so lucky to have you and just keep sharing who you are and what you know, because it just is so healing. So thank you. Thank you so much today and being here. I appreciate the wisdom. Thank you. I hope all of you do as well. And you take some little tidbits of love from Lisa into your postpartum or into your motherhood journey. Do you, and do you offer motherhood consultations, like just for people that are conscious parenting, attachment parenting, looking for different alternatives? Yes, absolutely. I, I don't have, you know, necessarily into offering (laughs) as such set up right now, but I am completely open to that. And I've also noticed that that's a need that I would like to fill. Yeah. Sometimes just having somebody to listen is paramount. Absolutely. So. When you're in the thick of things. So yes. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm here. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I'll be posting where you can contact Lisa on the bottom of the show notes. And thank you so much, everybody, wherever you are, day or night, for being here on the Noble Mother podcast and just oiling our consciousness with love. Mm and nourishment so thank you 